But we go to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 17 today. We're going to begin reading for your consideration verse 2. 1 Samuel chapter 17 verse 2. I'm going to follow that up with Psalms 101, or rather Psalms 121 verses 1 and 2. 1 Samuel 17 verses 2 through 11 and then Psalms 121 verses 1 and 2. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together, and they pitched by the valley of Elah and set the battle in array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on a mountain on one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side. And there was a valley between them. And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. Now to give you a better understanding of how tall this man really was, six cubits is 18 inches. 18 inches times six is 108 inches. And you compute that down to nine feet. 108 inches is nine feet tall and a span is six inches. So this man was nine feet and six inches. Nine and a half feet tall. That gives you a little idea of what the Israelites were looking at. And he had a helmet of brass upon his head. He was armed with a coat of mail. And the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass or 200 pounds. And he had grease, uh, greaves of brass upon his legs and targets of brass between his shoulders. And the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam. And his spearhead weighed 600 shackles of iron, iron or 25 pounds. And one bearing a shield went before him. And he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel and said unto him, Why are you come out to such a battle and array? Am not I a Philistine, and ye servants do Saul? Choose you a man for you and let him come down to me. If he be able to fight with me and to kill me, then will we be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall he be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. Verse 11, when Saul and all Israel heard those words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. They were dismayed. I looked the word dismayed up to see really what the definition meant when they say, it says they were dismayed. The dictionary says dismayed means distress horrified, or at the loss of how to deal with a situation. And I got to thinking about that definition. For the last two years, we've been in this pandemic. And I'm telling you, the world has been horrified on how to deal with this pandemic. They really don't know the answer. They're, you hear all kinds of stuff. But, brother, this world has been dismayed. And if we're not careful, the children of God can become 
dismayed of all the negativism and all the things that you hear and see. Amen. But the Psalms of David says, I have an answer for all of that. It's found in Psalms 121 and 1. I will lift up my eyes unto the hills. I will lift up my eyes unto the hills. I'm going to quit looking around me at all of this negativism and everything that's happening. And I'm going to focus my eyes unto the hills from which cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord which made the heavens and the earth. Hallelujah. Hey, do we have people in the house today that you found out that if you lift up your eyes unto the hills, there's help on the way. Amen. The almighty God is your refuge. The almighty God is your safety. Amen. Is your protection. Hallelujah. Hey, Pentecostals, we know who he is today. Hallelujah. And I want to preach to this church for the next little while. It's time to look up. Yeah. Hallelujah. Some of y'all have been looking around too long. You start looking at people, people will cause you to backslide. Hallelujah. People will cause you to lose faith in God. Amen. But we get our eyes on everything that's around us, and we will become dismayed, just like the Israelites did, because all they could see was a giant nine and a half feet tall, and that's where their focus stopped, and that's all they could see. Amen. Oh, but Israel, if you would have lifted up your eyes a little bit high, Turn around to your neighbor and say, it's time to look up. Come on. Turn to your next door neighbor on the other side of you and tell them it's time to look up. Hallelujah. Brother Green, pray over the word today. And if you're going to help the poor boy preach, you may be seated. Praise the Lord. Amen. We got almost 100% is going to help me to preach today. Praise the Lord. One of the problems that we have as human beings is that we usually operate within the realm of our five senses. Try right. taste, touch, smell, see, and hear. All of this affects us. If we can't taste it, if we can't touch it, if we can't smell it, hear it, or see it, then it's really not there for us in most cases. It's hard for us to believe. But ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that faith does not taste Faith does not touch, faith does not smell, faith does not see, and faith does not hear. Faith operates in the knowledge that God is controlling of every situation. Amen. 
Faith operates in the knowledge that I know in whom I trust and that God's going to bring me through any and every situation that I may face because my trust is in God. T.F. Tinney, the great superintendent of the District of Louisiana, made this statement many years ago, Brother Green, and I have never forgotten it. He said, your five senses are vehicles for doubt, fear, and unbelief. That's all. If you walk in the flesh, if you live in the realm of the flesh and all you're affected by is everything that's around you, then it's going to produce doubt, it's going to produce fear, and it's going to produce unbelief. Ladies and gentlemen, your five senses are faith killers. Amen. You cannot walk in the realms of the natural and look at everything from a natural standpoint and expect to see signs, wonders, and miracles from God. We're not serving a natural God. We're serving a supernatural God. That with God all things are possible things are possible. Is there anything too hard for God? Is there anything that he cannot do? Oh, the Bible says all things are possible to them that believe. There are two problems. Everybody say two problems. That operates against us and tries to destroy our faith and our trust in God. Amen. That's why so many people that are highly educated, and I'm not against that. Get all the education that you possibly can. Get all the degrees. You, you can have all the degrees as much as a, as a thermometer. That's all right with me. Brother, but I want to tell you something. When you begin to try to figure God out, when you begin to try to analyze and dissect God, you'll come up with the idea that there's no God at all. That's right. Because so you cannot operate within your five senses and figure God out. He's a supernatural God that is above all of our thinking. Amen. But there's two problems that we face. The first problem we have is that we can't see God. John 1, 18 says, no man has seen God at any time. Amen. If we could see God, we would have no trouble trusting him. If we could hear him speaking to us in an audible voice, we'd be much more prone to incline to put our faith in him. Brother, but when we have a Job experience, when we go through things in life, dark times, troubled times, stressful times, when the storms of life come to all of us, and they will come to all of us, we all must go through the storms of life, but when we're in those situations, it's hard sometimes to believe God, amen, have you ever studied the book of Job, have you ever figured out why God allowed Job to be put in this Bible, have you ever thought about the fact that Job is in the holy writ of God's pages. Why did God put 
Job's in the Bible. You want me to tell you why? To let you and I know that there's nothing on this earth that we would ever go through with. Amen. That we could not make it. Brother, nobody's ever gone through what Job went through with. But the Bible says in all of that, he sinned not, nor did he charge God foolishly. He said, no, God slay me, yet I'm going to trust him. I don't care what I got to go through with. I still got my trust. I still got my faith in the almighty God. Hallelujah. But you know, a lot of times we think Job went through all of this stuff that he went through with with fine colors, man. If I just had the faith of Job, if I could just go through all of this like Job went through, I want to tell you something. He didn't do too good. He didn't do too good. It wasn't like going through it with nothing to it. No, sir. Because if you'll go to the book of Job, I think I gave the overhead these scriptures. I want them to help me today. Amen. The book of Job, the 23rd chapter, and about verse 3 and about verse 4, if they could put that over the overhead. Amen. I want to show you some of the things that Job said when he was going through his darkest hour. Oh, that I knew where I might find him that I might come even to his seat. In other words, I can't feel God. I can't feel God. It don't mean you're backslid when you can't feel God. It don't mean you've been out there sinning when you can't feel God. Every one of you go through those dark times and you go through those storms in your life where you wonder where God is. I've been there, Brother Stevens, where my prayers seem like they bounce back in my face and I can't seem to feel God and I can't seem to touch God. That's when you've got to walk by faith. You can't walk by your five senses. You've got to believe that God is in control of this situation and that God's going to bring me through this. I may not can feel him, I may not can see him, and I may not can hear him, but I know he's there. I He said he'd never leave you. He'd never forsaken you. Oh, God. But, but Job said if I could just feel God, if I could just know where he is, bless God, I'd go where he's at. I'd come even to his seat. And if I could ever find him. I would order my cause before him and I'd fill my mouth with arguments. In other words, God, if I knew where you were, I'd come and tell you a thing or two. Didn't he say he would argue with him? What in the world are you doing to me, God? What's happening to me, God? God, do you know what you're doing? All I've done is serve you. All I've done is live for you. All I've done is, is just try to be faithful to you. Now, look what I'm going through with. Oh, what a pity party. Pity, pity, pity party. He was having a pity party, and he was only one at the party. Poor oh me, oh me, oh me, oh me, oh me. Oh, I'm preaching to somebody. You've been there. You've been there. You've been there. We've all been there. Hallelujah. Oh, brother, 
If I could just find God, I'd tell him how the cow eats the cabbage. Hallelujah. I'd fill my mouth with arguments. That's right. Go down to verse 8 through verses 12 maybe. In that same chapter, Job said, I go forward, but he's not there. I go backwards, but I cannot perceive him. Amen. And I can't even read that next part. Behold, I go forward, he's not there. Put it up here where I can read it. Hallelujah. Verse number 9. There it is. On the left hand where he doth work, but I can not behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand that I cannot see him. The next verse. Amen. But, oh, but I like this. How many like this? I may not know where he is, but he knows where I am. He knoweth the way I take. He knoweth the way I take. God have mercy. That, those are shouting words. I may not know where you are, God, but you haven't forgotten me. You still know where I am. You still know what I'm doing. Oh, and when he has tried me, I shall come forth as pure gold. Hey, Amen. That's right. You know what happens in the middle of a storm? Most of you, me included, we forget in the middle of a dark night what God told us in the light. about storms that we can't remember those things. Remember in the light, he told you, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I'll be with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. That's right. Remember those promises. Behold, I'm with you. Hey, it's hard to remember that when you're going through things. And all those promises where he said, I won't leave you and I won't forsake you when you feel like you have been forsaken. But you need to get a hold of those promises. Amen. I said you need to get a hold of those promises and realize, amen, that he is going to bring you through it. And you shout, amen. That's right. We forget all of that in the middle of the storm. But help us to remember those promises. That's right. Remember this. We stop with our focus on our problems. What we forget that standing above our problem is a God who is greater than any problem that you face. There's a God that's bigger than any mountain that you have to climb. There's a God stronger than any enemy that comes against you. Hold on to those promises. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Stand still and see the salvation of God. I say today, stop looking at the problem and start looking at the problem solver. Raise your eyes a little bit higher. It's time to look up, church. Hey, Austin First Church, it's time to look up. Get your eyes out of the valley and look to the hills. You're in the church long enough, every church goes through storms. 
Every church goes through times of dry places. Amen. I pastored 43 years. It wasn't revival every year. It wasn't revived by their times we went through dry places. There's times when, when, when people uh, decide they want to go to another church. Amen. I've had people come up to me and say, everybody's leaving. And I say, well, who's left? I, don't, I ain't seen but two or three leave. Oh, oh well, well, well they, they left. Amen. Everybody's leaving when somebody leaves the church. That's right. Everybody's backsliding, preacher. Everybody's backsliding. Hadn't had but two to backslide but it's everybody. Hallelujah. Amen. But it's because you're looking at sea level. You're looking down here. Amen. You got your eyes on the church. You got your eyes on the members. You got your eyes on people. Get your eyes off of the members of the church and get your eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's time to look up. Amen. Oh, God. Every church goes to a valley. But it, churches don't live in the valley. They just change in mountaintops. Hallelujah. That's right. Brother David, let me go to my text. David coming to the battle grounds to bring food to his brethren. By the time David arrives on the scene, Goliath has already been stepping out into that valley and breathing threats against the people of God for 40 days. 40 days and 40 nights. All they heard was that Philistine giant up there. You hear something for 40 days, you start believing it. If you hear all you hear is negativism, that's what you start believing. I want to tell this church something. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. You can speak life in this church or you can speak death in this church. Hallelujah. That's right, brother. Be careful what you speak. Be careful what you say. Never talk about leadership. Never talk about your pastor and your bishop. Amen. Brother, they're the greatest gift God ever gave you besides the Holy Ghost. Do you all understand that? Your pastor and your bishop is the greatest gift God gave you besides the Holy Ghost. And you might not even have the Holy Ghost if it wasn't for them. Hello. Hallelujah. That's right. But you speak life or you speak death. My wife says, I feel like I'm coming down with a cold. I said, if you believe it, you will. Just keep saying it. Hallelujah. Just keep saying you're going to come down. I said, I got COVID. You believe it. Go ahead and speak it. You have it. Hallelujah. That's right, brother. I'm telling you, we got to be careful what we say. We got to be careful what we speak. Brother, brother, they looked at that giant, and for 40 days he intimidated them. Brother, they ran in fear. They could never get around his threats. They could never get around his size. They could never get around the movement of his voice. They could never bring themselves to believe the promise of God that he would deliver them from this uncircumcised Philistines. They could never get their gaze above the valley above the problem it filled the horizon that's where they, their focus stopped their hope stopped their faith stopped their courage stopped but here come a 17 year old ruddy looking scrawny youth he looks about like me 17 years old 
commentaries tell us that's how, what his age was. Amen. He appears on the scene, and he stood there and listened to that uncircumcised Philistine till he got sick of it. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 17, or 2 Samuel, I forget. It's one of those right there. And what did David do? David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with the Philistines. He made the next verse. Here's a 17-year-old going to go fight a nine-and-a-half-foot-tall man that weighed 500 pounds. I don't know how much he weighed. Your guess is as good as mine, so I'll just say 500. Amen. And Saul said to David, now why did Saul speak this to David? You know, let me tell you why he spoke this to David, because all he could see is sea level. S-E-E -E level. Everybody say sea level. That's right. All he was looking at was that sea level right down here. And that's why he said this, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he's a man of war from his youth. So all what? he was using his five senses. He was comparing the natural to the natural. You don't compare your natural situation to a natural God because he's not a natural God. He's a supernatural God. That's nothing's impossible with him. Amen. And brother, you're not going to, you, you can't compare the natural to the natural. I've got a God greater than any giant. I've got a God greater than any problem. I've got a God greater than any situation that I've ever been in. Hallelujah. But when you focused on the problem, this is all you see. Right. Let me tell you something. If you saints, all you live at is at sea level. When the storms come to a church, you're going to be destroyed. You want me to tell you why Hurricane Laura did so much devastation to Lake Charles, Louisiana, that came off of that. It looked like a, it looked like a tornado zone. It looked like a, a war zone, brother, over there. I, my kids live there. My, 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 my daughter and her husband pastors a church in Lake Charles, Louisiana, brother. It, it, it devastated their sanctuary. They had to tear it down and dig up the slab and they have the church in the gym right now. You may tell you why that did so much damage. Lake Charles, Louisiana is nine and a half feet above sea level, S-E-A level. Nine and a half feet above it. Katrina hit New Orleans, Louisiana. Devastated that huge city. And floodwaters came in. The tsunami came in, brother, and flooded that city and destroyed that city. Why? Because Lake uh, New Orleans is below sea level. It's below sea level. Everything.
thing that is at SEA level is destroyed when a storm comes. You hear me? Amen. And when churches go through dark times, and when churches go through trying times, and when churches go through through valleys, and they go through storms sometimes, all the people that's a member of that church that's living at this level, it's going to destroy you. It's going to destroy you. Amen. You better get out of, you better get your eyes off of him instead of off of problems. Get your eyes off of him instead of off of people. Amen. You get your eyes on people, you're going to be destroyed. Well, I'd go to that church up there, but all them hypocrites. Amen. That's a big cop out. Reason you don't go to church is because you don't love God. But I've had people say, just because it's just, just a bunch of hypocrites up there. You know what my daddy always said? Hey, come on up here and show us how to do it. Hallelujah. I'd rather spend a few years down here on this earth with a few hypocrites than to spend eternity in hell with them. have hypocrites in the church. You're going to have phonies in the church. You're going to have people that's not living right in the church. But you better get out of sea level. It's time to lift up my eyes into the hills. It's time to look up. It's time to look up. It's time to look up. You've got your eyes on the wrong thing. Look up. Look up. Look up. Can you shout amen? Oh, my God. That's right. Power and death in the life of the tongue. Amen. Let's go a little further with David. You don't do, you don't do that? David said to Saul, Thou servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion, and a bear, and took a lamb out of the flock. Go ahead. Went out after him, smote him, delivered it out of his mouth. And when he rose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. The next verse. Thou servant slew both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. <laughs> you want me to tell you what David was doing? Y'all, y'all want me to tell you what David was doing? Uh, 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 uh. I preached a message one time. Pardon me. <laughs> I forgot you. I forgot you. Oh, you can't hear. Amen. <laughs> If I offended you, give me $10 after church today. <laughs> but you want me to tell you what David was doing? A backward glance that gives you a forward push. Hallelujah. He was looking back over the past victories that God gave him. Amen. God, if you delivered me out of the hand of the bear, and if you delivered me out of the jaws of the lion, <laughs> you're the same God then that you are today. I am the Lord God that changeth not. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if God ever brought you through anything, if he healed you six weeks ago, he can heal you today. If he bring your miracle six months ago, he can bring your miracle today because he's the same God. I said he's the same God. And God, you deliver me out of the line and out of the bear and that's what's going to happen to this uncircumcised. You gave me
give me victory then, you're going to give me victory today. How many has ever been healed by the power of God? How many has ever seen God do miracles? Has he changed? No, he hasn't changed. Reach back to those past victories and bring them forth to the present and believe God now for what God wants to do for you. If he done it then, why can't he do it now? That's what David said. He did it then. He's going to do it now. He ain't changed. He ain't changed. Brother, he's going to do it now. Yeah. Hey, do y'all know we weren't about your watch. You said we had all day. Y'all ain't going nowhere today but go eat and sleep. Amen. That's what I did on Sunday. I went and ate and took a nap and got ready for the Sunday night church. We had to quit at 12 then because you had to be back by 5. I'm glad those days are over with. My flesh likes it like this. <laughs> Come on now, you might as well be yours done too. <laughs> Amen. But that's why we have two services this morning. Amen. But I want to tell you about David. David never called him a giant. I want to tell you again, show your hands. Some of y'all don't know where I'm going. But David never called him a giant. You know what he called him? An uncircumcised Philistine. In other words, this joker is out of the covenant. He, he ain't even in the covenant. He doesn't even know our God. He doesn't even know how powerful our God is. He doesn't have a clue what's going on. He's nothing more than an unregenerated, uncircumcised Philistine. Amen. That's right. I'm telling you, hey, Austin First Church, it's time for you to quit, for quit, quit let the devil intimidate you. Amen. David said, I'm not going to be intimidated by that giant. He's not even knowing God. He don't know the miracle that I know. He don't know the power that I know. Amen. And you think I'm going to get under the rock somewhere and hide? No, no, no. Because I got a God greater than what he is. I will lift up my eyes unto the hills from which cometh my help. My help I want them to get me Numbers chapter 13 right quick. I'm going to show you something about intimidation. Numbers 13. But the men that went up with him said, we'd be not able to go up against people for they're stronger. Than These are the ten spies that was talking. Remember when they were at Kadesh Barnea, they sent out 12 spies. Ten brought back an evil report. Two brought back a good report. Joshua and Caleb was the only ones who brought back the good report. Amen. These ten spies brought back the negative, negative report. We're not be able to go against people. They're stronger than we are. They're living on sea level. 
and they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, the land through which we have gone to search it. It's a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. All the people that we saw in it are men of great statues. All we saw was giants. Read on. And there we saw what? The giants, the son of Anak, which come of the giants. Notice this. We were in our own sight as grasshoppers. So we were in their sight as we saw ourselves as the way our enemy sees us. Now, is that intimidation or not? Amen. Brother, we, the way you see yourself is the way the devil's going to treat you. Hello? Amen. Brother, if you see yourself defeated, you're going to be defeated. If you see yourself down, you're going to be down. If you see yourself discouraged, you're going to be discouraged. If you see yourself not strong, you're not going to be strong. If you see yourself losing the battle, you're going to lose the battle. Amen. Whatever you see yourself. Amen. But it's time. Hey, Austin First Church, it's time to lift up your eyes into the hills with which cometh your help. Your help cometh the Lord that made the heavens and the earth. Can you shout amen? amen. Hallelujah. Now go back to 2 Samuel 17, or 1 Samuel 17. Amen. And talk about David. Let's keep talking about him a little bit. Amen. Brother, let me show you something. All right, go. Who dies to find? Go on the next verse. Amen. This day the Lord's going to deliver in my hand. But before all this happened, I think we missed it. Before all this happened, hey amen. You know what Saul did? He said, okay, but Stephen, can I borrow your coat a minute? You look like a pretty good guy. Hey amen. You look like you're bigger than I am. Hey amen. That's right. Go, go to that verse where up above there. Hey amen. Keep going on down. All right. And Saul armed David with his armor and put a helmet of brass upon his Also, he armed him with his coat. Paul put his armor on David. He's 17 years old. When Saul was anointed king of Israel, he stood head and shoulders above all the people. So the, he must have been 17. Brother David got to looking at this. What did he say? Amen. Go ahead, the next verse. What happens? Number 38, 9, I believe. No. Not what I want. I want 39 to go. Praise God. In other words, David said, wait a minute. He took it off, laid it aside. He said, you know why I'm taking this off? Because I haven't proved it. I haven't proved it. Have they got it up there? Yeah. David girded his sword upon his armor and he sailed to go for he had not proved it. I cannot go with these for I have not proved them. Ladies and gentlemen, I bring to you the fact 
that I have not proven the coiled weapons of this world. But there's one thing I have proven, and that is the Almighty God has fought every battle for me. He has hunted over every enemy. He's brought deliverance. He's brought power, signs, and wonders in my life. I've proven God. I said I've proven God. I've proven him. He works. How many of this building's proven the Lord? Have you proven God? Not one time has he failed me. He's in control of every situation. When problems arise, when problems come, hallelujah. And we're all going to have problems, problems. Aren't you glad you've proven the Lord Jesus Christ? Has he ever healed you? Has he saved your soul? Has he brought you to the valley? Has he brought you to the storm? Amen. David said, I've proven this slingshot. I know what it'll do. I've put my trust in God. He's going to give me the victory. In this life, when you don't look high enough, we can't see what God's doing through coral eyes. I want them to start coming to the front and give me a little music here so y'all think I'm about through, okay? <laughs> I learned a long time ago that a man, a mind cannot comprehend what the seat cannot endure. Amen. But... Uh, but I want y'all to understand something. There's one, I got to bring this one to you. Is that all right? 2 Kings 6, verses 15 through 18, if they can help me in overhead. This is when Elisha was being surrounded by the armies of Syria. Do you know Syria sent out a whole army to fetch one man? Shows you how much Satan fears you as a child of God. Amen. He sends an whole army to fetch one prophet. Amen. And that little servant of the man of God risen early. That means he got up before Elisha did. He went forth, behold, a host compassed the city, both with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? I could just see him come wringing his head. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? We're surrounded. The whole army has surrounded us. Elisha, what are we going to do? Your problem is you're looking at sea level. Amen. That's right. All you can see is horses of fire and chariots. All you can see is a whole army that's surrounding you. Amen. That's right. But when Elisha's, amen, his, his servant's gaze stopped, his servant was looking down on the problem. He couldn't see a way out. He couldn't see how God could possibly be able to deliver him. But Elisha stepped out on the porch and looked at the enemy. Then raised his eyes a little bit higher. And he simply said to the young servant, Son, you're not looking high enough. You're not looking high enough. And he answered the servant, in verse 16, do they have it? Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. 
servant didn't understand probably in his only in his five senses mind when he was trying to analyze this thing with his five senses he said all i can see is a whole army and all i can see is just you and i one two two one count it forward or count it backwards there's just still two of us that's right brother i see a whole army out there i see a whole army out there that's all i could see when i went to school two against a whole army that's odds that are outnumbered he may have outnumbered us that's all i could see but you're not looking high enough you're not looking high enough amen notice the next verse and elijah pray lord open his eyes that he may see and the lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold the what the what everybody say it the mountain where is the mountain Brother, when he lifted up his eyes, it was full of horses and chariots of fire around about Elisha. That's right. You're not looking high enough. Hey, Austin First Church, it's time to look up. It's time to see what God's got for this church in the future. It's time to believe that God's going to do the work. Amen. You're not looking high enough. If you raise your gaze, you'll see that God is still in control. If you raise your gaze, you'll see he's working the realm of faith beyond human view. Amen. That's right. We walk not by sight, but we walk by faith. If I walk by sight, I'll be discouraged all the time, given into fear. I would see my problems dominating my life, but somewhere over the line, I have to start looking through the eyes of faith. God, open our eyes. Let us see signs. Let us see wonders. Let us see miracles. Let us see church growth. Let us see revival, God. Time to look up. Stand together. All over this sanctuary right now, everybody stand. I need to get my gaze out of the valley and to the hills. Stop looking down. Start looking up. Stop looking at the problem and start looking at the problem solver. Amen. That's right. Is there anyone here today overwhelmed by problems? Maybe you're going through a storm. Maybe you're going through fear. The problem solver is here today to meet you at your need. Amen. Anybody go through a storm? Come up here right now. Anybody discouraged? Come on up here right now. God wants to build our faith this morning. God is in control. He's going to take care of his people. Hallelujah. Some of you have been battling fear. Some of you have been battling anxiety and worry. I want you to come over here. We're going to take dominion over fear. We're going to take dominion over anxiety. We're going to take dominion over worry right now. Amen. Some of you got a bad doctor's report. Come on up here. The healer's here this morning. Amen. That's right. How many would come forward and say, Brother Stanley, the devil has played a number on my mind with fear during this pandemic. But I'm walking up here today, and I'm going to take dominion over all the fear that the devil's trying to put in my mind. Come on. You need the Holy Ghost. I want you to come on. The Holy Ghost baptizers up here. If you don't have the Holy Ghost, you need it. Come on up here right now. Amen. That's right. Everybody in this building that's sick or you've got a bad doctor's report, I want you to come right now. 
Amen. You don't have the Holy Ghost? Come on up here right now. God wants to give you the Holy Ghost. Come on, church. I want you to start praying right now. God is moving right now. I said the Holy Ghost is moving right now. In Jesus' name, right now. 